Yate Hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicki Katsuli Boy Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Ayahat, thank you. Yat eh, welcome listeners, welcome back. Woo, that was one heck of a month. This morning, I went on an early morning balloon ride. It was so beautiful. It actually reminded me of a conversation I had with my youngest cousin, sister. We talked about all of the guests from 2021 and what we took away from them and what we learned. It actually was really beautiful to have her on because she weaved in a lot of stories about our Nellie. She was talking about how Nellie would always tell her to get up and pray and how we saw them pray all the time. It wasn't just get up in the morning. They would be praying throughout the day. And my sister was saying that, well, who's going to hear me? How will I know that it's going to happen? Whatever I'm praying for, I don't see results right away. She was saying that. And then Nellie said to her, everything hears you. And when she said that, I got goosebumps because it is so true. When you go outside, everything hears you, the plants, the trees, the wind, the sun. And this morning, that was with me when I was in the balloon early in the morning, looking around at all the mountains, the clouds, the trees and the river. I literally got emotional. There was like six of us in the basket. It felt like I was by myself up there. It felt like the balloon wasn't even moving. I felt like I was in pause in the middle of the sky. It was crazy. But it was so beautiful and I could just see and feel and sense that everything was talking to me. And when I was up there this morning, I felt like that was what Crater was saying. It's like, slow down, Vicki. You need to be in this moment and be quiet. So you get messages from everywhere. I always try to find a poem, depending if it's related to where I'm at or the guests, right? This poem is about what my sister had shared with me about Nelly and how it affected me this morning. It's really short, but it's so beautiful. The poem comes from the book, Amber's One's Ojibwe's Meditation. All right, it goes like this. Teachings come from everywhere when you open yourself to them. That's the trick of it, really. Open yourself to everything and everything opens itself to you. Sweet, but powerful. I leave that with you all, whoever needs to hear it. If you need to slow down, just know that everything hears you. All right, so let's get to it. I am excited about introducing my guests. I have two guests. One of them is Tina James. The other one is Zane James and their siblings. And I actually met their brother. That's how I met them both is through their brother. His name is Thurman James. So shout out to you, Thurman, if you're listening. I, I asked them to come on for several reasons. I, you know, talk a lot with Zane or we follow each other on one of the social media platforms. And I just adore their family. They're always doing things together. They're cooking out. 
and they're always doing family fairs around sporting events. They're always at games. And I was always intrigued with their dad. So I had reached out to Zane. I was like, you know, it'd be great to have you and your dad come on and talk. That led to this moment. So I'm like, you know, it'd be awesome to have your sister come on. We all could talk about family and about siblings, really. I wanted you to hear their wisdom, their love, what they have to offer. And so if I were to close my eyes and just think about Tina, I see her as very grounded. She's a very grounded woman, a very strong woman and a woman with really clear leadership skills. She, as a former ASU, I'm like, woo. <laughs> and I learned that she I was in the journalism and also a, a leader in the Indian Health Services in Fort Defiance. And she is our Miss Navajo from 1992 and 93. If you're curious about Miss Navajo, it's a contest. And so you might want to Look it up on YouTube and it's an amazing contest. It's not just a typical beauty pageant by all means. So Tina James Tafoya is here with us. Along with Tina is her younger brother, Zane James. And Zane, don't let me forget. I want to know how you got the name Zane. So Zane, I just adore him. I feel like he's like my younger brother. He's funny, he's vivacious, totally charismatic. He seems like he's pretty witty. What I adore about him is that he's in the public eye. So how I remember reconnecting is he was doing work in the voting and the political arena. So he's been in that field for a while and he's actually been a chapter official. He's very aware of networking and the political um, alliances, but also most importantly, I think in that role is connecting with the people, the community and being an advocate. But I know on the side, he likes to hunt. I don't know if he really hunts. Half the time he's doing little videos about his hunting excursion. So anyway, I just am so excited about hearing more from them. I would love for you both, Zane and Tina, welcome. Say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. I'm Tina James Tafoya, and I figure I'll go first since I'm the eldest here of the three of us, but welcome to everyone. And just greetings from me, from my home to into your home or wherever you're listening at. I am, like Vicky said, the older sisters to Zane, but we do have older siblings as well. I am excited to be here. I'm a little nervous, which is kind of interesting because normally I'm not when I'm doing radio or TV, but today for some reason, I'm a little nervous. I would like to just take a little time to introduce myself in Navajo, or at least specifically my clan's so those are my clans. I'm married. My husband is Matthew Tafoya, and we have three children. Our oldest, Zach, just turned 22 a week ago, maybe about a week and a half ago. And then I have a daughter named Desba Tafoya, and my youngest, who's 14, is Max Tafoya. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Zane. Yat eh, shik edo shidne. She tore here at Lenin, I cried in the Enchlocky, Anibus's chin. I don't last chip that should che. Door look at net the chandelle. The Nahalt saw the Hasnido, Toha and Sosha the Hassan. Aro should cheat this up a shot the Hasnido, Kaya bed up at Ojido, Ado Egisi Nasha. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you, Vicky, for having us. And I thought it was appropriate to have Tina go first. 
not because she's older and not because of the sibling respect, but I just figured age before beauty, kind of, you know. So my name is Zane James, and it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be part of this podcast. And as Tina had said, a little nerve wracking, but I'm also excited to share this experience. It's the first time I'm ever doing this. I currently reside in Wonder Rock, Arizona with my beautiful wife, Deidre Dominguez. We have three kids. Our oldest is DeVay. And then we have little Koi, nine-year-old karate fanatic right now. And then also um, our little boy, Coley. I also have three older daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter is um, Zariah Desbot James. She's 21, currently in New York City, um, set to graduate from Columbia University in May. So very proud of her. And also mm -hmm. my second oldest is Hannah James. And my youngest is Bray James with my with my ex-wife, they're um, the mud people born for Twa'hiatlini and their chays are shihis. So again, thank you for having us, Vicky. It's really exciting to be here and looking forward to this discussion that we're going to have today. Thank you. Thank you both for being here. So I wanted to start with where your roots from. It could tell us a little bit about your grandparents and your parents and where they're from and anything that you want to share about them. And then we'll build towards you both. Thank you, Vicky. So our family really comes from Wheatfields, Arizona. So my parents or our parents, my late father is Nelson James. My mother is Sarah James. And my maternal grandparents are Marie Nesbigay. And she actually comes from Lukachigai, Arizona. And then our grandpa, our paternal grandfather was Tom Slimbigay out from Sonsala Crystal area, part of Wheatfields part of Sotsala, that mountain range that goes into wheat fields. So he's from that area and that kind of is where we're from, along with my paternal grandparents. My grandfather used to be a medicine man. His name was Thomas James. And then my Nella lady was Eleanor James. So my dad actually comes from a really small family. And I'm sure we're going to touch on why our family is so big is because my dad comes from a small family. He only had two sisters and then there was him. On my mom's side, completely different. My my grandmother on my mom's side had 13 kids. So the family on my mom's side is huge. <laughs> so it's real interesting to see the dynamics. But I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I really appreciate about my father was that because he came from such a small family, it was important to him that he had a big family because he said it was hard to grow up to be the only man or the only male and the only have two sisters. I think as he was growing up, he had other siblings that came before him, but they either passed when they were really young or maybe he didn't really get to know them. But on my mom's side, you know, she comes from a very large family. And then within our own family, my parents had seven kids. My oldest brother is Emery. We have a sister named Serafina, Jennifer, Emerson, then I'm coming after Emerson and then Thurman and then Zane is the youngest. So that's the seven kids that my parents have. I think Tina explained it pretty well. And if you really look at the um, matrilineal society that the Navajo people, the Jeanette people, that how we express ourselves, I guess originally we would be from the Lukachika community, a small community up in the eastern part against the mountainside, a place called Gassadantraha. The, the Twa'kiadlini ladies that were from that area, my late grandmother, Marie Nesbigay, she was from that area and she has siblings there, brothers and sisters. Originally we would be there, but fortunately 
My parents relocated to the Wheatfields area, probably one of the most scenic, scenic communities on the Navajo Nation, as we always say. And I know everybody on Navajo claims their home communities as God's country, but I always say that's their original God's country. It's interesting that we're talking about family and and also you mentioned the concept of speaking our language. It's funny because my kids will often correct my, my English and they'll <laughs> kind of smirk at some of the, my pronunciations of things, but really interesting. I think Tina will remember this is a couple of years ago, my grandmother, um, my maternal grandmother, Marie Nesbigay passed when she was, they speculate around 93, but um, Tina and I were tasked of doing the eulogy at her services, or it was actually my, my paternal grandmother. And I was talking about, she had gone through the epidemic of a tuberculosis. It's funny because my wife laughs at me all the time because apparently when I was doing the eulogy, I said tuberculosis and she was laughing at me <laughs> and she was like, it's tuberculosis. And I'm like, what do you expect? English is not my first language. I mean, that, that's my excuse. It's always kind of like little joke that we have here in our families. When I mispronounce something in the English language, I always fall back on, well, my second language. So what do you expect? But T Tina did a really well job of explaining our family dynamics. I'm the youngest of seven, youngest of seven children. And we didn't necessarily have the greatest upbringing in reference to having resources, financial stuff, but there was love, man. There was always a lot of love in our family. So, you know, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And Looking back on it now, I think we were rich in, in, in that regard. Thank you. So it got curious when you were talking about your um, grandparents. And I feel like a lot of how we run our families now and how we engage as siblings, we see it from our parents and our parents see it from somewhere else. But there's influences, right? There's influences mm -hmm. from people. And so I'm curious about like your grandparents in terms of your maternal and paternal side paint the picture of sort of like some of the characteristics and things that you remember and how they really honored, you know, family and, and even each other in terms of their siblings. What was that like? Or if you can remember, because I know there may be a different span of what Tina remembers versus what you remember too, Zane. I, I guess I should go back to your poem that you read. I think that was really appropriate when you were reading it because it reminds me of my grandparents and my parents in terms of always making sure that you are learning, learning something, whatever it is, keeping your perspective open and not being closed-minded, allowing things to flow into your life and into your knowledge, and then also allowing that to flow back out of you. I think with me, in terms of what I remember about my grandmother, my Nella lady on my dad's side, I was just thinking about her the other day. And I was thinking how when I was thinking about her, and then I think about my Masana, how they were so different in a lot of ways. My Nella lady, when she was a lot younger, like Zane said, she caught tuberculosis and she ended up having to be taken away from her family, which was my dad and my two aunties. And my dad was young. He said he didn't understand what had happened to her. No one explained to him that she was taken to a sanatorium in, I think it was Denver. And she spent three years up there and he was just a little kid. And he was like, no one told us. No one told me that's what happened to her. All of a sudden she was just gone. Or maybe he was at school and he came back because my dad went to Shilako. So he was a product of boarding schools. I think we all were. But when he was taken away to go to school, when he came back, I think she was gone and he didn't know what had happened to her. And I always I remember the story about her being gone for like three years. She spent up there 
And during that three years, my dad said that he just kind of floated around to different families' homes and helped put himself to work and earned his meals and earned his a place to stay. And every now and then he would go check on his sisters who were temporarily, I guess, adopted by one of my aunt, one of my grandmother's sisters. So back then, there was that tendency to kind of help one another without even really making plans or even really thinking about, can I actually do this? I don't think that those things were considered. It was just like, you just had to, you just did those things to take care of each other. So that's one of the things I think about. And then on my mom's side, I think my my son had a pretty big family as well. I don't really know too much about my mom's side. And I bet Zane does only because I know that a lot of our relatives on that side, because I think of his role in the community have really got he's gotten to know a lot of them he was a chapter president and did a lot of work with the different local communities including look it's kind of funny because i think back and i'm just like what do i remember and my mom would always tell us and get frustrated with us because she said gosh how do you guys not pick up these like songs you know like in ceremonial mm-hmm. songs or even prayers and she would say when we were growing up we were just told once that was it we would pick it up and we would learn it And I think maybe part of it is just that we're so inundated and bombarded with technology, different things that our minds are maybe not as focused and we're a little scattered all the time. My mom, I think, um, you know, she had a father that she always talks about with such high regard and love and affection. I think about how my Che used to take care of his family. That's one thing I always remember about the stories about my grandpa. Our grandpa on on our mom's side passed when we were really young. I never even really found out what his cause of death was, but before he died, he actually spent a good number of years in bed. He was disabled and we used to help my mom take care of him. So I'm not really sure exactly what his health issue was. So I never got to experience that relationship with my Che as I did with my Nella man. My Nella man was around and we got to hear him sing. He was a medicine man, so we would go to a lot of ceremonies. So. I think speaking the language, I always, you know, talk to my mom about it. And sometimes she's so modest. She was saying that you guys probably learned to speak really good Navajo because of your grandparents more so than us, because we would spend a lot of time with our grandparents when we were growing up. And that's all they spoke was Navajo. That's kind of what I remember. I don't know, Zane, you can chime in with what you remember about our grandparents. Yeah, I think Tina touched upon it really well as in reference to being the youngest of the family, especially with my paternal grandfather is I love being the youngest, but I kind of see the bittersweet portion of it because my older brothers and sisters would talk a lot about my Che. I I remember him just being in bed and sick. And that's what I appreciate my dad about most is he introduced the concept of hunting to my brother Thurman and I. He learned from my mom's father, my Che. So that's kind of the I guess the bad side of being the youngest in our family is if there's anything I can take from my grandfather, even though I never did hunt with him, is the concept of hunting and the the sacredness of hunting through my father. My maternal grandmother was hilarious, uh, a jokester. That's how I remember her. And the Tuahiedlini lineage, the teasing, the camaraderie of just having somebody you could tease a lot. And she was also very stern. I always share a story with my brothers and sisters that my mother's mother, my masane, was Tuahiedlini, born for Kiaani, just like us. So oftentimes she would greet me as her brother or as her grandson. 
So it, it, it's funny because as you got older in life, if she wanted to tease, she would greet me as her brother. She would say, And I remember one time they were having a um, planning stages for an enemy way ceremony for her. She sat down next to me and she says, I said, oh, she says, good afternoon, little brother. And she says, I'm going to have a ceremony for me. And, and I said, okay. She goes, I'm having an enemy way ceremony for me. Without thinking, without reservation, she, I, I told her, I said, for what? I said, how many enemy way ceremonies have you had in your life? I think this is the fifth time. It's not working for you. It's not having any effect on you. You're just, you're just a nuisance and you're just a, a burden to all of us. Maybe it's best you just hurry up and pass on and, and, and make things easier on us. She started laughing and she says, shut the F up basically and hit me on the leg. In all essence, it was more <laughs> her setting the stage of greeting me as her brother. And if she greeted me as her grandson, I wouldn't have been teasing her that way. But that's kind of like how our family was brought up, especially on my mom's side, is we were very jokesters, uncles and aunties <laughs> that had a lot of fun. We joked a lot and we still do. Our humor is brought down from that side of our family. And, and my grandmother in spite of all of that, we lost my, my maternal grandfather in 1982. We lost my paternal grandfather in 1986. So from 1982 on, my grandmother basically lived in the mountains, probably about 7,500 feet in the mountains by herself, majority of the times. And she herded sheep right up to the time she passed when she was around 93 years old. She was still very self-sufficient and, and self-sustaining. The epitome of a strong native woman was very evident in our family through my mom, through her mom, through my maternal and paternal grandmothers. They were very strong, independent women that, that existed and, and were very strong in that way. Back to the whole concept of talking about earlier about the eulogy at, at my maternal grandmothers, I think Tina and I again were tasked with that. And we counted, if I'm correct, Tina, right? Grandkids, uh, Tina mentioned she had, my, my maternal grandmother had 13 kids. She had, I believe it was 58 grandkids, 60-something great-grandkids. But at the end, at that particular time, we had counted up to 218 people off of her one lineage. So a huge family off the Tkwotihadlini lineage for my maternal grandmother. So that just really puts it in perspective for, for our family. Yep, that sounds about right. A really huge surprise for us, I think, when we were looking at that and counting the people and calling all our aunties and uncles up and say, hey, I know so-and-so has kids. How many kids do they have? And just writing all of that stuff down, it was really interesting. And it was actually a lot of fun to learn things about my grandma in that way. But the interesting thing for me and my kids is that my mom is Tohedlini, born for Ashche. So she's water flows together, born for Red Bottom Clan. My kids are the exact same way. So my husband is actually Lashche. So by clan, he's my Che, which I remember talking to my grandma about. And she says, oh, it's fine. You can do that. That was my Masan. And she said, it's fine because she did that. So my mom was married to her Che. So it's real interesting to see that. But you see that camaraderie between my kids and my mom sometimes. She'll kind of tease the kids the same way like she's their big sister rather than their grandma so I always have to remind my kids that did you notice that she's doing that because she greeted you as her little as her sibling rather than as her grandma 
So you have to pay attention to those things. But again, I think for my kids, sometimes they don't get it. They don't get it as well as we do, I guess. But again, we're older. I think that as they mature, they'll start to get that relationship better. So she gets to set the tone with my kids on how she greets them, whether as their big sister or their grandma. And then that kind of sets the tone in terms of how they interact. So it's really interesting. And it, it's kind of hard sometimes because you have to remember, oh, so-and-so is that clan. So, and sometimes I don't remember. I'm pretty bad at it sometimes. It's complicated. I mean, I mess up sometimes. I have, My auntie's like, no, 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 that's, you need to address her this way. But I think it's so powerful just what you've shared so far about just how the elders knew how to greet each other, but they also knew how to greet each other when we had to be serious. But also I, I would see some of my elders, like when we're in a serious place, they would always be funny too at the same time to add some humor and how they engage and interact with one another. But it also just sets the tone, you know, whether it's sibling, auntie, uncle, when you're acknowledging each other in that way that it's really sort of honoring that person. It's like telling them, like, I respect you. And it's complicated. It's not, it's totally different than, you know, when we think about Western, like direct brother, sister, cousin, and, and the complexity of our Dene clan system and how we use it, it can be confusing, but it's, again, I just want folks to know it's a way of really just sort of honoring, respecting each other. Zane, look like you were going to say something. No, I was just going to go back to the story that I mentioned about my grandmother and how I was teasing her. It's really interesting because Tina mentioned that her kids sometimes don't pick up on the humor that maybe my mom is dishing out to them. I remember I had several relatives that were really, really offended by what I said to my grandmother to say, maybe you should just hurry up and pass on. But in our sense, in our brother's sister sense, as she greeted me, you know, it's allowable. And that's something our, our dad taught us at a really young age is there's a certain fundamental law, certain rules that apply with how you tease your siblings, how you tease your grandparents, how you tease your grandkids. Like my sister, I wouldn't tease her in a sexual connotation manner. That's something that our parents really instilled on in us at a really young age, even just conducting yourself in a public setting, you know, sit with your legs crossed. And, you know, th those are some of the hardcore teachings that our parents instilled upon us. It was funny at that time because I remember some of my relatives took offense to what I said to my grandmother and I just kind of brushed it off as like, well, you know, as long as she and I know the understanding and, and the relationship that we have, I, I shouldn't have to explain myself. Thank you for that. I'm glad that you went back to that. I think that's important for people to understand because some people are like, why would he say that to his grandmother? But <laughs> and you have to hear to Navajo too. That also mm -hmm. makes a difference when you say Navajo versus in English because it sounds so brash in English. I've, I always tell folks too, it's like even the tone, right? There's a tone in how you say things where it also emphasizes if it's a joking way or not. Speaking of your beloved father and your mom, Let's learn a little bit about them. I'm curious about how they met and tell us a little bit about your mama and your papa. She oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because my parents are, their families were actually just lived in the same community. I remember my mom saying that her dad would, I guess, kind of tease them and try to embarrass them. They would be in his wagon, right? And he would go and he would see my, my dad, Nelson, and then my uncle Paul riding on horseback. I guess my mom and my auntie, with my auntie Emma, they would 
lay down inside the wagon and try to hide because they didn't want to see my dad and my uncle because they all kind of, I guess, liked each other or whatever. But my grandpa would go and pull up next to them and talk to them. And then the guys would be on the horses and they could see my auntie and my mom laying down in the back trying to hide. <laughs> but it's really interesting because in the end, my mom, of course, married my dad. And then my auntie Emma married my uncle Paul, which is my dad. They're, they're brothers by clan. I think their moms were related. And I, can't, I don't even really know the full extension of that relationship. But my dad and my uncle Paul are brothers and through their moms. And then they end up getting married to my, my mom and her older sister. So I always remember hearing them talk about going to the movies at the chapter house. And they went on horseback. I think Zane, I don't know if you remember the story, but I think my dad and my uncle came over by horseback and then they all went together by horse to the chapter and watched a movie there or something like that. I always remember that story. So I thought it was just cute. Yeah, there's a little area in our community called Tohaskid. It's kind of the central location between my mom's side of the family and my father's side of the family. And on any given summer afternoon, you'd see people herding their sheep to that central location. Then you have a river running, running through it. So it's just, you know, a, a hub for, for kids to have fun and, and play in the water. My perception was always, and I'll probably continue to believe that is that that's where my parents met <laughs> because that's where we met a good number of our relatives or our people from our community. But, uh, Tina's right. I, I remember the story of them going to a chapter. I almost said a chapter house dance. That's my time. A chapter house <laughs> movie. A movie at the chapter house. And I'm assuming it's probably like a John Wayne movie or, you know, some, some Western movie that they went to, but that's where they kicked off. And all these years later, we have uh, the offspring and here we are. It's a true love story. And my parents were married for 55 years. Am I correct, Tina? Yep. 50 years. Wow. Yep. So, and, and I guess now, nowadays those are pretty much um, unheard of. And so, you know, family was, family was huge to my parents. Yeah, they got married young too. I think my mom was 16 and my dad was 21. Yeah, yeah I think 21. my dad was five years older than my mom. So I was like, oh my God, that's so young. But it I is. mean, they got married early and then they started their family early. And I think my dad, I always think about my dad just wanting to have kids and a lot of kids and have a big family and he got what he wanted. <laughs> Yeah, seven you all, which, you know, seven blessings, right? I'm yeah. wondering if the, the, the uh, I love the story. I'm, I'm like a sucker for romance. So I'm like, oh, uh, a native guy come to my house with a horse. Hey, let's go to, <laughs> I think that's romantic. I love that story. But where I was going to go with this is it, I'm wondering if it's common with, you know, because families back then were large, right? The story almost sounds similar to my Nellie's because my Nellie, Jim and he had a brother. They married sisters too, but the father was the one who was like, "I want to keep him in the family because he was a hard worker and uh, the Hushni side." And so, anyway, it, it, that was similar. It was like a similar sort of situation. And I think it was the parent who, well, at least in this case, it was the father who really wanted to make sure that my Nelly Jim stayed. So, interesting story. I love that story. That's a cute story. Anything else you want to say about mom and dad before we talk about your siblings? I think my, you know, my dad was a very strong man and he was a very strict person. 
you know, he's very strict with all of us and he had really high expectations for us. When I say high expectations, I don't mean in the sense that we're going to be like, of course, he wanted us to go to school and be educated and all those things. But I think more so he his expectation for us is that we work hard, that we have our own families, that we take care of our kids and put our kids first and be focused on our families. That's how I saw my dad. And I always saw him as this pillar of strength in my corner. Sometimes he, he, he would even have to say anything to me. And I knew whether he was upset with me or whether he was so proud of me. I could just tell by the way, just the way he was, the way he looked, the way he looked at me. Sometimes I would be like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. Or, you know, my dad's happy about, you know, something that I did. So that's how my dad was very small on words, but his actions were huge. Now, my mom is probably the opposite in the sense that she's very talkative. She's very expressive. And she, I think since my dad passed for me, has really, I've been, I've always been impressed with my parents. I've always been impressed with my mom. But in the last two years since my dad left us, she has just shown me what a strong person she is and not physically i mean of course physically too because she's doing a lot of stuff that i think we would normally be there helping her with but because of the pandemic we're not able to visit her like we have or when we do visit her you know the guys will like chop wood for her and then they'll stack wood for her we don't go inside her house just for her safety or you know whatever the parameters are they've changed over the last 2 years but I think she's able to do those things if we're not able to get up there to help her. You know, she can chop wood, she can do all those things. But I think what's been most impressive for me to see her is just how strong she is in her spirituality. And she's such a prayerful person. My parents have always been very strict Catholics. We would go to church every Wednesday evening at 515 at St. Bernard Church in Navajo, New Mexico. You know, it was like, you're going to go to church. So we, so everybody knew we were going to be at church on Wednesday evenings and on Sundays, of course. But we know we grew up that way. I think all of us grew up and made our first communions. And we were even um, our, gosh, I can't remember what it's called now, but my parents have always been have always told us that don't leave your house without prayer. Do not step past your threshold to your into your home or out of your home without having prayed first. So being prayerful and knowing that there's something greater than each and every one of us is probably something that I really see my mom in my mom even more so now. And she is just a strong lady in that sense is that she prays for us and then she sends us text messages every morning and it always has some little message and sometimes she'll even include some verse from the Bible that she's reading and she's learning how to maneuver her cell phone. <laughs> she's learning how to send memes. <laughs> so we're like, oh, great. Mom's sending memes. What's going on here? <laughs> but she's she's got a great sense of humor too. my mom. She's a very funny person and She's a really nice lady and I love her and she's been doing very well. So I'm impressed by her every day. Yeah, dad was such a cool person. Hilarious as hell. We had some awesome times with him hunting. And it's funny because when he passed, we shared some really cool stories of him 
when Thurman and I hunted with him. It, it's it's funny because my dad used to tease um, or used to laugh about his father-in-law and how when his father-in-law saw a deer, he used to get crazy excited. But in reality, <laughs> my dad was just the same. I remember one year we were hunting in the mountains and wheat fields. We're in the middle of freaking nowhere. And he sees a buck across the road. He slams on his brake and he asks for the binoculars. So I'm sitting on the side and I give him the binoculars and he, he's looking at the deer and he puts the binoculars to his, to his eyes. And as he does, his right elbow hits the horn on the vehicle and he's honking the <laughs> horn. And mind you, this is in the mountains. We're up there by ourselves. And then he turns to us and he says, Clash honk horn just Is somebody honking the horn? And we're freaking sitting there laughing because his elbow hit the, the horn and he's honking the horn. And we were freaking laughing. And he was like, and he got mad at us. He was like, don't freaking laugh. And he looked back to the, to the buck again. He honked the horn again and the buck took off. That's when he finally realized he's honking the horn with his elbow. So we were laughing at him. We said, you know, you, you, you talk about Che getting all excited. You get all excited yourself. But dad was a very stern, strong disciplinarian. I always tell people, I was 25 years old when my dad whipped me. I was whipped when I was 25 years old. Still in wow. college, came home one weekend, did some crazy deeds with my brother. And my dad whipped me and I, I knew I was wrong and I took it. I never went back to him, tried to fight him or raise a fist at him. But that's just who my dad was, is very stern. In the household setting, very respectful to my mom, as Tina said, was soft-spoken. My mom, I feel like at times was maybe mean to him, yelled at him, but he always sat there and just smiled and, and, and took it. And it's funny because now with my current situation with my wife and my kids here, I kind of try to emulate my father in that way is I pick and choose my fights with my, with my wife. Majority of the times I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. Just because I think that's how my dad would have, would have been one of the last really in-depth conversations I had with my mom, with my dad and my mom was um, right in the midst of this pandemic. I went to see them and taking them some detergent, whatever it was, and, you know, knocked on the door and my dad was like, like, come on in. And I'm like, no, dad, I can't come in. I'm coming from Walmart and Gallup. And he was like, are you crazy? You're our son. Come on in. And I'm like, dad, no, we, I can't come in. You can't just let people in. You guys can't be letting people in. I said, come on outside. Let's sit outside. So we, we sat outside, pulled out some chairs, and, and this was, I think, like April of 2020, somewhere around then. We got to talking about this pandemic, and the thing my dad said is, is really what resonates and sits with me is, he said, we're all put on this earth as humans. We live on this mother earth, and we have just as much right to exist on this earth as do the animals, the deer, the elk, the sheep, the horses. And they have just as much right to exist on, on this earth as the plants do, as the birds, as, as the insects do. And it's really interesting because he said, just as this virus is lurking, it has just as much right to exist on, on this earth as we do. They, the stories go that they have their living forms and just like us, they have relatives too. And, and they can hear is what my dad said. And so for that reason, you don't curse it. You don't curse illness. You don't curse the common coal. You have to exist with it and respect it. You just have to live your life in, in that regard. 
So when our dad passed on June 13th of 2020, you know, that sat in my, in the back of my mind. And I just thought that I, I found every, every possible aspect of a way to deal with losing my father. And so it, it's made things a lot easier for me, in all honesty. We were blessed to have our dad for this long. And Vicky, when you came to me and asked me to do this podcast with him right before the pandemic, I was like, I don't know, man, my dad's pretty shy. I don't know if he would, if he would want to do it. It's really interesting because I never mentioned it to him. And I, I wish I did to see what his expression would have been. He probably would have just smiled and maybe nodded his head. Yes, no, I don't know. And, <laughs> and, and things happened thereafter. You know, Tina bought her first home, right? When my, my father passed, you know, my wife and I bought some land and I just think like, God, I wish he knew, you know, I wish, I wish he, he would have been proud of us. But then again, at the end of the day, I also think like, you know, he, he's with us in spirits as well. So, you know, you feel his presence almost every day. I, I really don't have any pictures of him in our home. I, I remember him. Like I, I can see him. I can hear him. It's almost like I can smell him some days, you know, so I don't need to have this photo of my father with me because that's how my dad was. He always believed that you're not supposed to have photos of individuals that have passed. I try to cling to that in that way. My mom is, my mom is hilarious. She loves to talk. You know, she loves to talk. It's funny. The other day, my brother and I were hauling water up to her house and she passed us in Navajo. And my brother's like, do you have reception here? I said, yeah. He said, call her, tell her we're going up there. I said, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking a two minute conversation with my mom. Oh my gosh. She, she went <laughs> on about, you know, so-and-so down the road, this is going on. This is happening. I'm like, mom, you know, I'm going to lose you here in a little bit. I mean, I, I, I got, I got to go just telling you that we're, but then again, I also think like she probably misses the concept of talking to somebody. So, you know, we listened to her and, and it was nice to hear her talk. And as Tina said, my, my mom's a, a, a little different, very vocal, very loud, loves to talk and loves to interact with people as my dad was just very quiet, but yeah, those, that, that's our parents, man. It's been a fun ride with them and I appreciate them so much. I thank you for sharing your dad's wisdom because that's so powerful, that conversation that you both had because it's true. So thank you for listening fully so that you're able to share that with us.